the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm Paul Spain and my guest is... Uh, Greg Cranfield. Uh, I'm product manager at TradeMe in the ads team and also run Startup Grind in Auckland. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Greg. Uh, good, to, good to have you here for the first, uh, first time. Thanks. Glad to be here. So let's jump in. We've got lots of topics to uh, talk about today because last week we had a special uh, episode where we shared uh, an interview that was carried out uh, the previous week at the uh, the CIO Summit um, with Jonathan, uh, Professor Jonathan Reichenthal, who was a keynote speaker there. So it meant we've we've ended up with quite a big list of things to get through this week, uh, one or one or two that we were um, well that we put on the agenda um, for last week's episode. So we'll do our best to cram all of those in. We want to talk about Microsoft's new Surface products that we've got here, uh, Sky and Vodafone throwing in the, throwing in the towel with uh, their merger. What else have we got? Um, I think I'd like to really dive in and have a bit of a chat with you around Amazon and their uh, their purchase of a supermarket chain in the US and what that potentially means for us. Yep, definitely. And what else have we got? America's Cup, uh, some good results there. So we might have a have a little uh, a little chat about that um, amongst amongst a bunch of other topics. So I think. There's certainly enough to uh, to keep us keep us busy and uh, hopefully keep everyone entertained. So thanks everyone for joining us. Well, let's jump uh, straight in to start with, um, and this is a story that I came across um, a few days ago about a new um, robotic video conferencing camera. Now, not usually very exciting, a, a video conferencing camera, although I've got to say it is really nice when you, if you ever go in to do a, a conference, a video conference, and the system works perfectly because uh, I've, I don't know how many times I've been into uh, a video conference scenario and the technology just hasn't, hasn't worked very well and you sit there twiddling your thumbs waiting for whoever it is that's supposed to set it up to get it uh, to get it working so uh, any technology that helps facilitate that that is good um, but this one is interesting that our owl labs owl labs um, are launching this new uh, robotic uh, video conference camera and well, first of all, it's very cute, but I guess the unique thing it's it's got, well, almost unique, is that it's got a 360-degree camera, so it gets everybody that's sitting around uh, the table, and it then is able to basically focus in on the person that's talking, and it does this at quite an affordable price, so they're, they're launching it at uh, 799 US dollars. Greg, I'm sure you do a bit of uh, video conferencing in, in your job, whether it be between Auckland and HQ and, and Wellington with TradeMe or, or other, uh, other scenarios. Um, what's your take on this, uh, this concept? Yeah, it looks great. And yeah, we um, obviously, uh, a lot of the ads team are based up in Auckland, but a majority of marketplace and a lot of the other product managers are based down in Wellington so uh, at least maybe 50% of the meetings I seem to have um, are over video. Uh, we recently moved over to G Suite which meant that um, 
there was maybe a few weeks of getting used to hangouts uh, and how that setup worked. Uh, so maybe the 10, first 10 minutes of every meeting was a little bit of plan around. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really, I really liked the look of this. Um, was just having a look through and uh, not only is the design, uh, it's definitely niche, you could say, um, but the specs on it look pretty cool as well. So be interested to see if anyone does get one in New Zealand, be keen to have a play around with it. Yeah, no, it, it looks it looks very good. Um, the pricing of it, it looks similar to what, or actually possibly even less than what you would pay uh, for the usual sort of kit from uh, Logitech that is, is quite commonly in place in meeting rooms uh, now for the likes of uh, Skype for Business, Skype, uh, Hangouts, those those sorts of uh, you know products, Zoom and so on. Um, so I would um, yeah I would imagine this it's USB based can basically get plugged in and and uh, and used in most typical uh, scenarios. It seems like a good option. And word is that they're also going to be um, coming up with their own video conferencing uh, software as well as part of the the mix. So if you've got one of these at at each end, you get a um, ultimately probably get a, a better result. And it's got, uh, it was, I think, eight uh, microphones as well. So it's got yeah. a, a nice uh, microphone array, which in theory should um, should work reasonably well if it uh, basically is able to focus in on uh, on where the audio is uh, coming from. And so. just having a look as well, and they've raised uh, six million US in a funding round. Uh, in addition to the 1.3 million in seed funding that they picked up, so uh, they seem to be well backed. Yeah, well, I noticed um, uh, Andy Rubin um, of Android uh, fame. Uh, they seem to be running out of his uh, playground uh, incubator um, in Silicon uh, Silicon Valley, which uh, which provides venture capital and, a, and an incubator sort of uh, base for uh, for startups, and uh, that's a pretty good name to uh, to have behind them so yeah definitely pretty uh, pretty impressive so now it does seem just looking online now that, yeah you can go and order these because when i was looking you know, a week or or two back i don't think there was pricing available at that stage uh whereas right yeah right now they are um Saying of about a four week four week to availability and the seven hundred ninety nine US uh, price, so yeah, it's uh, it's very good. If anyone does decide to order one of these and try it out, would love to uh, uh, love to hear from them around what their experience is. Uh, but it looks uh, looks reasonably uh, slick, and I am curious about the uh, the quality because the they say the um, uh, the image is captured using a uh, a 720p uh, HD fisheye lens. So you've got this lens, and that's how it's able to sort of capture in all directions. So you know, once you zoom in on uh, on someone, just how good that quality is. But um, in terms of a starting point, that sort of price point seems uh, seems very reasonable. Now, on to other topics. Uh, we keep hearing lots and lots around autonomous vehicles, and mostly the uh, news seems to be very uh, very much leaning towards uh, Tesla, who actually had an update the other day. Uh, they've got their, their 8.1 um, update to their software, 
and they've they've had this challenge that they've been moving uh, from using the technology from uh, I think it's uh, is it Mobile Eye uh, to their own proprietary uh, technology for uh, for automation, uh, or you know automating the um, the role of the driver, and they're they're slowly getting there in terms of uh, improvements. But they're certainly not the only. Uh, um, the only company that's working in this space, and the the latest news we've seen is that uh, Nissan are really starting to talk about the the next generation of their uh, all electric Nissan Leaf, and uh, they are really focusing in on uh, advanced driver assistance, as 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 they're uh, calling it. But really, this is their their autonomous driving uh, technology, uh, Pro Pilot. Um, this stuff looks pretty good, doesn't it? it looks like they're uh, they're heading heading in the right uh, direction with um, you know a, a little putting a little bit of uh, a little bit of heat onto uh, um, onto Tesla. It does seem to be focused on sort of single lane driving at this stage, but looks cool. Yeah, I mean, um, I definitely think it's it's one of those things that people see as quite futuristic that. Is going to happen and come around a lot quicker than people realise. Um, as someone, though, full disclaimer, without a driver's license and doesn't drive, uh, it could be quite interesting. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to that. I didn't realise how badly I needed to drive until I moved to New Zealand. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to when driving is taken out of the equation. Well, I don't think I don't think we're we're massively far off, although. I guess the 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 pace at which Tesla is moving recently does you know make make me make me wonder just exactly how soon it it will be till uh, uh, till we get this um, you know all of these bits and pieces sort of lined up and actually delivered to us. But certainly there being you know more competition around uh, you know autonomous types of vehicles at the more affordable price points. So. Uh, the Nissan Leaf is going to compete with Tesla's Model 3, uh, General Motors, um, uh, Chevy Bolt, um, being the, um, the American version. Uh, yeah, and then obviously there's, um, there's some pretty nice uh, vehicles coming through from the likes of Mercedes that are, that are pretty capable in, in this area as well. But Making it broadly accessible uh, is the bit that I'm really interested in because that's when it really goes mainstream, right? Rather than just being a uh, a few people that have access to the, the the technology. I think from what what you can kind of make from what Tesla is trying to do as well, that they you'd, you'd probably back them to be the first, maybe uh, that makes it widely accessible. But uh, it, yeah, there's definitely no shortage of competition in that space whatsoever. It seems like. Mm. Well, they have the they have the benefit now that they've brought that piece in house as well, and they've they've tried to do as much as they can in house in terms of really owning as much of the the technology. Whereas the traditional automakers usually they 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 outsource so many uh, so many pieces, and you end up with multiple computers inside the vehicle that don't necessarily talk to each other uh, certainly aren't aren't all one one integrated piece that they uh, uh, that they own uh, that it becomes quite uh, quite messy it becomes quite hard to update 
where this Tesla model of um, you know somewhat continuous software updates that are just able to be pushed out to the vehicle is is certainly something that I, you know, I think generally is pretty positive. Certainly, if you've got any uh, security issues that need to be patched quickly, then I would imagine uh, you'd you'd be uh, in a much safer position with a Tesla uh, than most of the other uh, vehicles that are at, at the sort of lower price points. Not that Tesla has delivered them any Model 3s yet, although there was some uh, some sort of leaked photos over over the weekend for uh, for those that are that are keen to see sort of what the uh, the Model 3 is going to look like when they um, start letting their first ones uh, out of the gate officially in the uh, in the weeks ahead so uh, yeah so interesting times there which is good now about hmm, when was it would have been maybe 12 12 days ago roughly from when we were recording this Microsoft released their new uh, laptop in fact I think you've got uh, got it sitting there uh, next to you the uh, yep. the surface laptop uh, as well as their new surface pro and they've done away with putting uh, uh, model numbers so the previous one was the surface pro uh, 4 uh, but the new one is just surface pro which that's you know that's not not unusual for uh, for companies to, to go with that sort of branding just to confuse us. So I guess it's the 2017 model of the uh, the Surface Pro. And now you've had a little bit of a look at uh, both. I've been playing around with them for, um, yeah, for nearly a couple of weeks now. Um, what's your sort of take? Because you, you're normally using your uh, your MacBook there, which I see you've just, just set aside for a, a yeah. brief moment to, <laughs> <laughs> to grab the Surface laptop. But, I mean, how do you feel about the the build quality and 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 the style of it yeah look i mean it's it's yeah it's kind of ironic that i switched back to my mac while i'm sitting here supposed to be reviewing it but it is really nice like not only is the 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 design this is one of the first um microsoft's that i've actually picked up and used where i thought okay the the design on this is really nice um and by that i don't just mean the um you know it looks nice it actually kind of feels nice to use as well um the touch screen, uh, I don't know, maybe it's probably going to take me a little bit longer to get used to using. Um, I've seen people that have kind of switched over to using them straight away as well. And they go to point something out on the screen and, uh, uh, and end up closing down what they're, what they're presenting. But, um, yeah, it feels really nice. I, I, I definitely, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm switching just yet, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I could definitely use this, put it that way. Yeah, I certainly enjoyed using it. Uh, and somebody asked me the other day, well, yeah, if you had to choose between the new uh, Surface Pro and the Surface Laptop, which would you choose? And it's a really interesting question because the Surface Pro is a, is a really nice device. It's nice being able to sort of fold the keyboard around behind or take the keyboard off if you're wanting to do... Um, uh, you know, handwriting on the on the screen with the stylus, and you know, it's really good for that sort of use in in meetings. But the Surface Pro isn't the best to have on your lap. A, a real laptop actually is better balanced and weighted and more solid and stable if you want to, uh, you know, tap on a on a keyboard while it, while it's on your lap. Um, interestingly, the iPad Pro does a better job on a lap than the uh, the surface pro um in fact i recall in um 
um, I recall that Apple actually used the term that I'm presuming Microsoft invented, lapability, uh, to uh, to highlight how well the uh, uh, the iPad Pro actually works on your lap with their particular um, keyboard, you know. Um, cover combination uh, for it but um yeah the, that's they've shown some um apple have have shown some pretty big intent as well with the the ipad i mean the the new ios release that they were just that was being pushed out uh seems like it's designed this time ipad first almost uh whereas previously it's been iphone and then the the uh ipads have kind of had to fit around that whereas it looks like they're they're showing some good intent that it's they kind of see ipads as the future and they're definitely the ipad pros we're still not at that point i think where it's powerful enough to run photoshop and everything else kind of multiple alongside it for um for creatives but um yeah i mean i both seem really nice and i know probably people listening to this that are, are microsoft fans are slamming me at the minute for saying that um that uh yeah App- apple might be the ones leading the way but uh, both are quite nice, definitely. Well, I think it's good when when we have um, you know technology companies that are putting pressure on other technology companies because you know we ultimately end up with yeah better better products for it. And I think it's fair to say that each company tends to inspire the others in some way, right? You don't just have one company that's doing all the innovation. Uh, well, you hope you don't because that doesn't end up with, with, with good results. And I think we've seen, you know, different, you know, different bits of innovation from, you know, the varying leaders within the industry. And then sometimes it's the smaller players that come out and do something really cool. Um, they might not always be able to capitalize on it as well as a bigger company that, uh, you know, leverages what it is that they've, they've come up with, right? Uh, and you know it's fair to say that all of the tech companies, you know the the big players, the you know, Google, Samsungs, Apple, Microsofts, and so on, you know all of them are, are I guess standing on uh, or, or, or utilizing all sorts of other technology from lots of other you know companies to to achieve stuff. Uh, whether it's you know Intel uh, CPUs that are in you know lots of our gadgets or ARM CPUs. Uh, or it be the the touchscreen technologies that have you know just improved so much uh, over over the years. Memory technologies, um, fingerprint readers, and um, so on. So you know that that continued innovation, I think, allows uh, allows lots of new stuff to happen. And um, you know, hopefully, they all keep pouring lots and lots of money into into that uh, research and development bucket, which at the moment they, they do. They're spending billions, right? So it's, uh, yeah. it's, kind, it's kind of pretty pretty good. So, I mean, it's nice to see this new one. Um, now, what do you think about the, um, they call it Alcantara, which is the uh, the fabric that they, they use on the, the keyboard, and that in some ways sort of takes a little bit of inspiration from, the Surface Pro, where you've had this, you know, non-metal style keyboard, uh, it's certainly unique. But I'm, I'm kind of curious. Would you be comfortable using that as opposed to, you know, a traditional sort of covering around the keys? Any, any downsides to it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it seems um, it actually feels nice to use. That was one of the things I was kind of hinting at with the design. Is is this um, the the layer that that 
it definitely feels like fabric. I'm not sure what, what it technically is. Um, my only concern is maybe in a year's time, uh, what this might look like with your hands constantly resting on it. If mm. you end up with mm. some kind of other fading or, uh, uh, some kind of marks on it, but, uh, in terms of the, the feel is really nice and, uh, yeah, I don't know if they come in different colors, but the, the color of it, uh, it, it kind of look, feels nice and looks nice looking down on using it as well. Mm. So. Well, apparently it's got a, um, some sort of special polyurethane, um, coating to protect it so yeah it's designed to be reasonably uh robust but microsoft um, made some comments that um you know you you need to be you know treating it nicely i I suppose so i mean we are dealing with a high-end laptop that's not the sort of thing you should throw around in fact um uh the verge's headline read microsoft says the fabric on the Surface laptop, laptop should be cared for like a luxury handbag. Now, Greg, I'm not sure how you treat your handbags, um, but um, yeah, that's the uh, that's the recommendation. So uh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> Quicker we move on on that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know, you 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 treat it nicely, and I guess every Surface has has different things. For instance. Um, you know, I'll sometimes be carrying multiple gadgets and, um, you know, my bag because I want to, you know, try a few of them out. And you've got a segment for a laptop and I've got another segment where I can put things. And I, and I do have to be careful because you put a laptop next to a laptop and they've both got, uh, you know, steel uh, lids and, and so on. They're going to end up scratching and, and doing damage to each other. So, yeah, I... I I don't have a have a big um, issue with it. It'll be interesting to, to see, you know, what it's like out there in the market. Whether people get frustrated. I, I did see a comment. Someone saying, "Oh, what if you've got, you know, greasy greasy hands or something?" Well, you know, I think that's something that, uh, yeah, you'd be a little bit cautious about how you uh, how you treat it. So, um, yeah, it feels like a sturdy uh, piece of tech as well. So, mm-hmm. um, one of the problems I think with that I've definitely felt with using people's Airs, uh, MacBook Air, is that it, it felt quite lightweight. It almost mm, felt mm. like you had to be a bit extra careful with it. With it. Whereas, although this seems um, probably around the same, um, actually lighter than uh, my MacBook Pro, uh, it's, it feels really sturdy. Um, it does so, feel good, doesn't it? And yeah. the 1. 1.3, uh, what is it, One point uh, 1.25 kilos, and a thirteen point five inch screen, so you've got a you know, you've got a a reasonably decent size screen. I know that's a sort of size for me in terms of a portable device that I'd be pretty comfortable with. In fact, I'm used to generally having a smaller a smaller screen uh, than that, so uh, it's pretty uh, pretty workable. Hmm. Yeah, um, the the challenge that you that you have with, and this is a similar issue, I guess it you know it's really most of the premium. Uh, devices, be it a MacBook uh, Pro or a uh, Microsoft Surface of some sort, if you want to have a large amount of local storage in terms of an SSD, uh, you can't just you know do, you can't just get uh, well. In fact, Apple are a little bit flexible with some of their custom uh, custom ordering options, but uh, you can't just have that with say a lower end. Uh, CPU. So, I think when I when I looked at it, um, you were spending 
over three and a half k if you wanted one with a half, you know, half a terabyte storage and you'd also get with that 16 gigs of ram and a you know nice i7 uh so there is that there is that uh challenge that maybe the 1700 dollar model isn't going to suit quite a large portion of people True. so just with 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 being aware of um also out is the new uh surface pro uh very very nice uh boosted battery life very fast um and one thing that didn't get a lot of coverage is that i think most of the models um i think certainly the the models below the i7 so the i5 and uh i3 is it are fanless uh and so they seem to run a fair bit cooler than the previous generation of um of surface uh pro products so yeah there's a slight but other otherwise and there's a slight curvature difference the uh, the design looks very similar to the previous generation of the uh, the surface although you know next to each other it is yeah, quite possible to tell the difference but otherwise not a not a huge dramatic change uh, but pretty uh, pretty nice overall um officially i think they're rated at uh 12 and a half hour uh, battery life off the top of my head um or is it 13 and a half hours? I've forgotten. Anyway, you don't, in real life, you don't actually get anywhere near those, uh, <laughs> those rated, uh, battery lives. And unless you're just sitting there watching, uh, watching Netflix or something on them, which so, we've all done. Yeah. That, that's true. <laughs> but hopefully not too often for, you know, 10 or 12 hours. Yeah. Um, but you know. Maybe there's nothing, nothing else to do. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's you know it's good to see Microsoft continuing to uh, refresh the product range and and keep things up to date. They're a bit conservative in terms of how long it uh, it took them with this launch. Uh, some may remember that last time round with the Surface Pro Four, that Microsoft launched it um, basically very soon after the uh, the the, the um, sixth generation. Uh, chips became available from uh, from Intel, and they had a number of um, what's a polite way to put it stability issues. Basically, uh, it didn't the, the the gear wasn't uh, wasn't super reliable, uh, particularly using the uh, using the dock. So um, yeah, it wasn't uh, um, wasn't a good uh, a good scenario. Um, so on to on to our next uh, next items. We have a few more things uh, to get through. Um, Sky Vodafone. It's been uh, been confirmed that they're uh, throwing in the towel on their merger. What do you think? Is it uh, is that a is that a bad thing? Is that gonna is that a big nail in the coffin for uh, for Sky? Do you think that they're going to be able to um, um, sort things out? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. They've got a good it, future ahead. Yeah, it kind of felt like that um, uh, that the merger was going to go ahead. Um, it had definitely been talked about for quite a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think with any with any businesses of those size, that uh, there's so many T's and C's to go through, and so many areas that it could fall down on. And I'm, I'm not sure. I'm sure more details will come out around exactly what the sticking points were. Um, in terms of what it means for Vodafone, I think they're probably uh, less concerned uh, as what it means for Sky, I'd say. Um, but I guess, yeah, time time will kind of tell on that one. Mm, mm. Yeah, um, 
I, yeah, I was a little disappointed when this sort of first came out because I, you know, I, I figured, yeah, we might see some at least Sky get a bit better at, at how they utilise technology, and it's felt uh, it's felt to me for for some time that Sky have been doing a pretty poor job of innovating from a technological standpoint, and. Yeah, now now they're starting to get desperate. I saw uh, saw a, you know a bunch of commentary um, around the la- the um, the All Blacks game with the the Lions um, over the weekend, which yeah, naturally the uh, the All Blacks won. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, yeah. The less we talk about that, probably as well, the better. Uh, are you talking about the ad that appeared uh, shortly after the hucker as well? Yeah, that was a, an interesting decision. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. People seem pretty pretty offended that uh, that 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 a, that this a new ad spot would get created. Uh, yeah, I guess from you know from Sky's perspective, they're looking to get a return on their uh, their viewer their viewership, uh, but and that was probably the maximum chance of getting it when people aren't exactly about to get up out of their seats and you know go and uh, um, go and get a a new drink or whatever uh but yeah it really seemed to rock rock people up so um yeah I, th- I think it's definitely from someone that uh i'm kind of let's say new into to working at trade me in uh, in ad tech uh, i've done i've worked the other side where i've always been involved in marketing and buying advertising uh, whether that be for for startups or um just ran a marketing team uh, a recruitment agency a long time ago so i've kind of always been that side of the fence i i uh, definitely can understand the draw and the probably the debates that went on in sky whether to take that ad spot uh, and what that might mean for the viewer and the customer and there's always trade-offs um you know that th- there's discussions happening at trade me consistently around uh, you know ad spots and stuff like that and I think we what we get really good good at and what we do really well is um, is kind of championing the user and the customer alongside the client so you know the money that we take in from the advertising sounds great but how would that impact the user how does that impact the customer and that's one thing that probably uh, looking at that ad slot maybe they didn't take into account as much um, but I completely respect that they came out straight afterwards and said, because of that, we've dropped the idea. This, you know, this won't be happening in the next two games. So, um, so yeah, they, they, just the next two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They didn't mention Super Rugby or anything like that, but, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you know was uh, was probably the the right the right thing to do. But yeah, we'll we'll see what it uh, what it what it means in the future. Now. Something that, again, this was on the agenda to talk about last week was uh, Google Flight Search. I uh, don't know if you've tried this, but it's now working in New Zealand. So if you go in and do a, a Google search, and so one I did recently was uh, I searched flights, Auckland to Christchurch, and just done that again. And... Now what Google does within New Zealand, which it's been doing in other uh, regions, but it wasn't working in New Zealand uh, before, it will basically give you a little uh, a little box comes up 
and you can extend that by hitting the search flights button, but it, it basically will let you choose different uh, dates. It automatically fills some in based on when you're uh, searching, and it starts picking up what the lowest fares are. So the search that's filled in when I've done this, non-stop flights from Auckland to Christchurch, it suggested the 11th. Uh, flying to Christchurch on the 11th, returning 10 days later on the 21st. It says Jetstar can get me there from $80. It says Air New Zealand will get me there from $194. Uh, and, of course, you can do all sorts of international searches, uh, which are going to give you a lot more options. So if I had changed that flight search uh, from Auckland to New York City and do the same search again, uh, we've got flights coming up from uh, Virgin Australia uh, with stops. We've got uh, Cathay Pacific. Uh, there's a there's a whole bunch anyway at different prices, and uh, so the outgoing outgoing flights. Um, I guess the interesting thing about this, and I'm really curious how this will impact in New Zealand because I think most of us. You know, who are Kiwis probably will be looking at Air New Zealand as our first option in in a lot of cases, uh, maybe particularly for those international flight searches. And when you look at this, Air New Zealand is often uh, quite a way down the list from a price perspective. I think we're looking at about 50% more expensive for these flights uh, between Auckland. And New York, and you know, often people on loyalty programs, and you know that comes into the mix as well. And would you really want to uh, be flying to the US via Australia? Well, it, you know, again, it's it's going to depend. But if you're on a business trip, you want to get there probably as quickly and as comfortably as possible, uh, because you probably have to come back pretty quickly as well. Uh, holiday scenario: Well, you know, some people may be happy to, for a, a day or two in Australia, uh, somewhere in the mix, but. It's kind of nice, at least, that we've got access to this uh, within Google Search locally. What do you, what's your take? Yeah, I, I mean, I find it super interesting what, um, I know we'll come on to kind of Amazon later as well and their intent, but like the, the intent that Google is showing here to um, become the one-stop shop for search, and that goes beyond just web search, that involves searching for flights. Uh, they've recently uh, rolled out a, a similar jobs platform. I don't think that's hit New Zealand yet, but... Um, uh, if you if you Google it, funny enough, uh, I'm sure you'll you'll find out about it uh, and see some news on that. But similar kind of thing, if you searched uh, straight into the Google uh, search bar, um, you know, product manager jobs in Auckland, it will scrape the the net, similar to what it's done here, and show jobs from Zero's uh, website, from TradeMe's website, from stuff like that. So um, I think Google's showing intent to kind of become the the place you go to for every search that mm. happens on the net. Yep. Um, and I mean, the design of this is quite nice as well. Like I know I, I, I harp on about design a lot, but it's uh, they've done this quite nicely the way they've laid it out. Um, you kind of, apart from what you were just saying about being able to rank price and, uh, and comfort and stuff like that, maybe uh, they'll move on to that. But uh, in terms of, I just searched for flights to Fiji. And the, the first thing that has come up is around, selecting the uh the months you want to fly and then there's uh, a lot of different places of interest underneath which is quite cool as well so mm, yeah. Mm. yeah it's um it's certainly not nice for for google in terms of expanding their scope there will be 
a few companies that that provide flight search that will probably be less than pleased about it. Yep. And that is one of the hallmarks really of the yeah, where where the technology world is heading and players like Google and Amazon and Microsoft uh, always looking to extend their reach and leverage what they've got uh, a little bit more. So there's there's certainly two sides to uh, to that one, and it's not it's not always good because it gets pretty hard to uh, to compete when these things are uh, are built right in. And you know, I, I guess you could line this up with the uh, yeah, for instance, sort of. Uh, Troubles that Microsoft got into with you know how they bundled certain products uh, into Windows in years gone by, and made it very hard for other people to actually uh, compete because their stuff was uh, was built in, and uh, you know it ultimately got them into uh, got them into a spot of bother with Internet Explorer and so on. So uh, um, I guess Google have to be a little bit careful around around how they handle that one. They also have to be really careful that. Uh, a lot of these companies, especially um, the the flight comparison sites and stuff like that, advertise with Google. And um, you know, there's a you definitely have to um, not bite the hand that feeds you with most of, well, pretty much all of Google's income coming from advertising. Um, so I do think they have to tread carefully there, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Now. Amazon, they bought or they're, they're, they're in the process of trying to acquire uh, Whole Foods for close to 20 billion New Zealand dollars for this. Um, you know, it's not the biggest supermarket chain in, in the US. I think it's in about the top five. Uh, although when I, when I look at the, uh, the numbers, and I'm curious what, uh, um, what that puts them uh, puts Whole Foods at compared to uh, um, New Zealand's biggest company possibly uh, possibly more so you know, a, a big acquisition on a New Zealand scale but on on the scale you look at Amazon it's uh, well it's their, it's their biggest acquisition to date uh, but it uh, it doesn't it's not a massive number in the in the scheme of uh, uh, Amazon's uh, worth, which I think is in the direction of half a um, half a trillion uh, US dollars. Yeah, but there's a, a lot of things that you th- you think through when you think about this idea of Amazon being the online player. Yes, they've they've uh, they've done some experimentation with. Uh, with a supermarket or a, a shop format with Amazon Go, which we've talked about in the past, this idea of a, a store you can just walk into, grab things off the shelves and out of the fridges and, and walk out and have it automatically just bill you uh, as it happens. But it does spur on a lot of thoughts and and um, maybe expectations around where Amazon is heading. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I, I think like a lot of people um, when they first saw it was probably a little bit shocked uh, or surprised. Probably is the better word there. Um, but when you kind of dig a bit deeper into it, it's not too surprising. Like you said, they'd kind of shown intent before that uh, 
you know, disrupting retail was kind of where they wanted to go with those sorts of stores. And rather than opening those up and spending the time to, uh, you know, you might as well just consume one of those uh, and instantly kind of take their spaces, their uh, real estate. Um, Again, it's also not surprising when you look at, uh, I find it really interesting, like the Google, uh, you know, being the one place you go to for search, Amazon are really gunning for the way we purchase. And that's integrating that into uh, kind of modern day life and everyday life uh, and, and, you know, everything from how you read a book to how you order to how it's delivered to, um, you know, the, the types of food that you'll probably be able to buy through Whole Foods. Like it's not a... Um, it's not one of the cheaper places. It's also, I think, a lot of locally sourced food as well. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting. I think there's, there's kind of two sides to it as well. You've got um, Amazon really, uh, they've got the the consumer side to it where they do have these really interesting plays into different markets uh, and fitting into everyday life. And then they've also got the business play with, um, you know, Amazon Web Services now I think it's some ridiculous stat where I think the majority of Silicon Valley is run on Amazon Web Services and a lot of huge companies. Um, so they've also got that that automating business play that they're going for, which has a lot of people that work at Whole Foods slightly worried that they're going to lose their jobs to uh, robots in the warehouses uh, and the distribution side to it uh, and also delivery um, you know, is there a point where you can order your shopping from Alexa, uh, which is their um, their, their voice assistant, uh, assistant um, and then you have it delivered to you within a few hours by drone? Uh, in you know, and it's in the warehouse being sourced by a robot. There's not too many touch points of a human in there, so um, it's really interesting to see the way the way that Amazon are kind of looking at. Uh, everyday business and everyday life and how they can disrupt different areas in there uh, and it's just it's optimizing as well it's it's kind of looking at you know it's, it's not new ideas but it's just being smarter about how they do it and yeah i think it's really cool like um it'd be interesting to see how it goes yeah yeah i mean a lot of it is is quite natural and not too unexpected i, I imagine the sorts of things that we'll we'll see um you know come come through but yeah there'll be there'll be elements maybe we aren't expecting where things move a little bit quicker or a little bit slower or just yeah completely unique ideas that come out there but yeah certainly your um you know your comment about them uh about amazon uh, maybe yeah trying try to be a, a little bit like google but across the retail space that they just they basically just want to own that. So if you buy something in the future, you'll be buying it from Amazon. Yeah. Um, they, they would certainly like to be able to do that. I think that would be re- pretty bad for society if they achieve that sort of dominance globally. And it's good that we've got some other players in other parts of the world and uh, you know, even eBay, uh, Trade Me here in New Zealand. There are various other players uh, that, that have a role within... Um, within commerce of you know quite some significance and so I yeah, hope those things continue there there is going to be some challenges I think in countries like New Zealand like in the US you know, those companies are all based out of US well they've got some really nice uh, you know, tax that's going to arrive in the US but we may need to see some 
pretty big changes in terms of how the tax system works. I mean, if we were to just imagine a scenario whereby we didn't have any supermarkets in New Zealand that are owned locally at all anymore and they were all uh, automated with robots, et cetera, et cetera, we sort of you know move, move down that track and then all the profits are going overseas and there's not staff locally to get paid, uh, you know, we'd have some real challenges. So we sort of took to the extreme the complaints that people have made in recent years about Google and uh, Apple and Microsoft and so on who who don't necessarily pay large amounts of, of, of local tax, particularly those uh, that that don't yeah, really have people on the on the ground here. Um, so yeah, there's some there's some pretty interesting scenarios there. Um, I talked a little bit about that actually on my uh, my video last week. So anyone wants to catch that can uh, can find that on uh, on facebook.com/paulspain. Uh, but there's there's certainly I think opportunities for uh, for retailers and others not to be sort of disrupted in this massive way as well. Because when you think about it. Smaller companies can leverage all this or the, the very large majority of the same sorts of technologies that, for instance, Amazon can access because these, you know, the, the voice recognition and artificial intelligence and those sorts of things, uh, yeah, they're selling, Microsoft, others are, are selling a lot of those elements and, and, you know, they're, they're available, um, to, to utilize right so you can actually go out and buy all the bits and pieces that are needed to um, to deliver these but there is certainly some unique things that a massive player like Amazon can do that it is you know fairly challenging to compete with but it does does mean I think the companies that are going to succeed against Amazon need to be you know really really focused really looking long term and, uh, and and investing for the long term. Yeah, and I mean, coming from uh, a, a sort of startup background um, uh, and sort of loving what's going on in that space, I think it will be the smaller uh, companies, I think, that, that will kind of innovate a little bit more in that space. I think what tends to happen is you see these companies get to a point and then Amazon acquires them or Google acquires them. Uh, I think founders probably at the start of the journey need to, you know, kind of, at least assess what they want and where they want to end up and whether that's being acquired. You look at, you know, we talked about Google being the um, the place you go to to search for something, Amazon, the place you go to to buy something uh, or to purchase something and uh, Facebook trying to be the place you go to consume any kind of content. Um, they've done well to acquire everyone that sort of challenged them apart from Snapchat. And they're, you know, they, they're gunning for Snapchat at the minute with all, all their worth pretty much for Facebook. But it's created a bit of a, a two-platform scenario, which hasn't happened along the way in the other businesses. But I definitely, um, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think a lot of the larger companies that are probably slightly worried in retail uh, about what Amazon are doing need to catch this on the front foot rather than, wait and hang on and then find out it's too late at that point um but it would definitely be the the smaller businesses the the startups that, that bubble up that uh, that really innovate and maybe catch these guys off guard the interesting thing is often there's quite a bit of warning before the disruption hits right um you know we look at uber coming into new zealand all our taxi companies had years of 
of notice and people sort of dabbled around with all sorts of things and you know haven't achieved too much of date um uber obviously in some trouble now so that creates opportunities you know both locally and around the world uh yeah netflix and what they were doing it was really obvious for a long time that was going to come but in terms of how quickly did did any companies in new zealand really respond to it you know it took a long time for anybody to come out with uh with anything that was great and and had sufficient funding uh to do to do well so it is it is kind of curious when some of these things certainly you know probably to you and me lots of our listeners seem really inevitable in terms of them uh, reaching us and in terms of maybe a lot of the steps of what needs to be done to uh, uh, to get the right sort of outcomes often often it certainly looks like and this is I guess where we look at sky a little bit it looks as though uh, a lot of you know firms especially those that are big and well funded, uh, tend to be sitting on their hands rather than uh, getting out and innovating and making sure that they're in uh, they're in just the right position when the competition does uh, does land in the local market. It's really difficult. It is um, you know you, you you can completely understand when a, a company gets past a certain size that um, that uh, inertia that kind of sets in maybe that feeling that okay we we've got to where we are by doing what we've done so we can kind of cling on to this and stay doing that um yeah i i, I completely uh, i think that's one of the reasons i love uh, you know product management and product design is is they, you call it kind of scratching your own itch like solving problems and and your own kind of problems that you experience uber was a perfect one of you could kind of feel like the the taxi service was ripe for disruption uh, i think companies people in companies need to get better at uh discovering those and putting those on the front foot like bubbling those up almost like the the kind of entrepreneur scenario of taking that and and saying right if we don't disrupt ourselves uh someone else is going to do it so it's better to cannibalize a part of your own business than um than to kind of sit on your hands and wait uh, uh and that's definitely i think where some of the mid to larger kiwi companies could do a bit better um in the startup space here though that we have is like thriving on a on a global scale as well which is really cool to see so i think the i think people have the right attitude to it it's the it's the kind of companies that are a certain size and above that maybe don't so yeah there i mean we've certainly got some larger entities here in new zealand that are that are really innovating but then there are other ones that just they 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 don't seem to get it exactly and uh yeah it's it's disappointing because it impacts, you know, their clients and it impacts uh, all of, all of their other stakeholders. So, um, yeah, pe- people end up uh, out of out of pocket to a big extent, and, and so on from an investment perspective. Now, a uh, couple of other topics to just to cover off quickly. Um, Vodafone seem to have upped their. Uh, um, their performance across their network, looking at the latest uh, TrueNet um, stats, which talk about uh, um, internet performance. So that's very good to see because I uh, I use Vodafone's network at home and did a little uh, little speed test on my uh, my fibre connection and seem to be seem to be running um, running pretty uh, pretty fast over nine hundred. Uh, 
megabits a, a second download speed. So I think they're uh, they're ticking the boxes and delivering adequate uh, uh, or, or really good performance there. But I know there's certainly been complaints from uh, from some sectors around their uh, their performance and and especially on their cable network. They've um, had had some hits there. Um, so I've been asked to catch up with them over the next few days so hopefully we'll hear some insights in terms of what was going on on their network and how they've managed to fix it um spark have bumped up their uh, network in queenstown again i guess there's a little bit of a uh, bit of a test for for them um but they've rolled out sort of next generation um lte on their uh, their network there in uh, in Queenstown, I think they've got. I remember how many uh, new cell sites that they've um, they've rolled out. Um, I think it was maybe I don't know a, a bunch of new cell sites in, in Queenstown, six or eight um, that they've uh, they've rolled out. They're calling them um, four point five uh, G. Um, Bill Bennett's actually got a good little uh, little little write up on this on his website, BillBennett.co.nz. So if you wanted to read into the the details of um, yeah of this rollout of um, LTE Advanced uh, Pro, the main limitation at the moment being there isn't a whole lot of uh, gear in terms of I don't think any of our smartphones available in New Zealand can take full advantage of it. Uh, I think Spark highlighted that in a, in one of their tests they've been able to get more than uh, or a bit over a gigabit in terms of speed uh, over this new network. So you know, it bodes well for the future in terms of what sort of performance that we're going to be seeing in New Zealand in locations that maybe can't get access to fibre. Of course, we know the ultra-fast broadband initiative is going to take um, yeah, fibre connectivity to around 85% of homes and of course, most businesses and schools and and uh, and so on uh, will be connected as well. So it's um it's very pleasing that we've got uh, we've got such good connectivity going into New Zealand. Um, although I know there will be a portion of listeners who are stuck with not the best performance just yet, and you know that's uh, I guess Im- improving every day. Uh, who's got access to the the better speeds? Um, we won't dive into a big discussion uh, today around uh, fiber versus uh, you know mobile broadband and getting that connectivity at home because we we have discussed it before. I'm sure we'll we'll have a chance to discuss it another day. Um, but yeah, that's that's all good stuff. Um, the I guess the bit that I did want to chat about, Greg, is um, America's Cup. It's pretty good. Uh, pretty good result today. Yeah, I mean, I am. Um Again, full disclaimer, probably not the biggest fan of uh, the America's Cup. I'm more of a fan of what it means for New Zealand than the actual sport itself. So um, fully behind it from that perspective. Well, so much great technology, right? There's so much technology that's gone into building the boat, even the way that we we view it. If you've you've seen some of the races, if you'd seen the, 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 the very early America's Cups, they weren't that exciting to watch. And some of that was, was the speed and the, the style of the monohole uh, racing, you know, compared to what we see now where they foil and they, you know, they just race, they race around the course. But, um, you know, the, the, the graphics technology that's come out of New Zealand to really, um, you know, enable that, which is, is stunning. Um, but, 
hey, you know, their, their backer was Oracle, which is one of the world's richest technology companies. And, uh, um, you know, on a shoestring budget, New Zealand managed to pull off a pretty impressive win. So, Which, which is awesome and kind of sums up, I think, the, the New Zealand uh, take on innovation really is managing to compete and in some ways topple other countries uh, with a much larger budget uh, on a shoestring. So, yeah, completely. I, I think it's awesome. Um, and I loved some of the headlines actually did go for the you know new zealand innovation beats oracle um which was kind of cool to see yeah i I think it's great and i think it's something that you know we we should all i guess you know take heed to in terms of thinking about little new zealand competing with the rest of the world and yeah i think it's important that we back ourselves and realize well this this is just one of many examples where as a country we are able to compete globally and and do really really well and we should back ourselves we should have you know big dreams for uh you know the things that we're building locally and big ambitions and you know this is this is something where yeah i think it, it, it's fair to say a lot of kiwis confidence maybe in our ability to win uh this time round might have been waning a little bit um you know, after after uh, you know recent recent years where we didn't come out on top, um, but hey, what uh, what good results and you know hopefully that uh, gets a few people you know fired up and in, in a in a good way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, um, thanks for joining me on the show. Now, I should ask you before we uh, wind up, startup grind. Now. I'm going to ask you what it is, even even though you were kind enough to have me uh, uh, speak at the last uh, event um, last week. But for, for listeners that aren't aware of Startup Grind, might be interested. Maybe you can uh, just give a, a little mini version before we finish up. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so Startup Grind is a global network um, of meetups and uh, uh, connecting and educating entrepreneurs around the world. Uh, so we're actually in over 250 cities around the world now. Um, we've got a Wellington chapter as well for any fans uh, listening outside of Auckland. Um, Christchurch? So Christchurch and Dunedin, I'm hoping in the next uh, in the next few months. Dunedin, I think um, there seems to be a lot of activity happening down there at the minute, which is which is really cool to see. There's a um, there's a great startup, Timely, that have, have come out of Dunedin. Um, and yeah, there, there's some good stuff happening. So I think Dunedin might be the next stop and then Christchurch. Um, it just yeah, it, it would be great to see that happening. Uh, I took over uh, the Auckland chapter maybe two years ago now, um, and so we have we have monthly events uh, where we have a speaker uh, such as yourself um, last week uh, that can come on and share your insight in starting a business. It's more of a personable um kind of touch it's what we call like a fireside chat so similar to what we're doing now we just sit down and talk it just so happens as an audience um and around your learnings along the way failures successes and um how people can not follow that path but maybe feel a little bit better if they're feeling the same uh, and, and there's kind of no uh, end goal in sight or vision or they're thinking of uh you know chucking it all in so Yep, I love doing it. I, I get—I literally think it's one of the best things I've done. I get to pinch myself constantly that I do get to sit down with some really cool people and talk through their journey. And we've had, um, you know, we, we've had uh, a woman who was the head of Apple's um, customer service department on before. We've had Aaron Patsa, who uh, is an awesome uh, founder from Silicon Valley, who uh, he built Mint.com and sold for. 
uh, hundreds of millions <laughs> into it. Yeah. Um, uh, and he's doing some really cool stuff in New Zealand at the minute as well. He's here. So uh, right the way from, from local business founders as well um, that maybe people don't know about, but they've got a really interesting journey. So uh, definitely if you're interested, go to startupgrind.com and you'll see uh, our next events on there. So That's great. That's great. And how do we track you down? Are you on Twitter or what's the best way to Yeah, I probably you? don't tweet as much as I should. Um, I am. Uh, it's at one greg cranfield and uh my name as we discussed before is, is awkward in the sense that there's an i in greg uh i didn't put it there uh, but it stops my name from being gregory apparently so uh, <laughs> so that's one g-r-e-i-g cranfield uh, c-r-a-n-f-i-e-l-d um uh, but yep i'm i'm easily trackable online uh, and on linkedin um so feel free to connect or reach out if you've got any questions about startup grind or uh, startup scene here or or trade me even so that's great that's great oh excellent well thank you for being a guest on the show uh people can track me down uh paul spain on twitter and facebook and uh feel free to connect on linkedin and so on as well uh or you can email me paul at spain.nz so thank you everybody for listening in and we'll be back again with another episode next week all right see ya the new zealand tech podcast Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.